This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. The political sphere has a tendency to talk about this as though it's a game of risk and it's pawns on a board. What gets lost in it are the human faces. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Shoes. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Shoes for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. In May of 1864, after years of war and a string of reluctant Union generals, Ulysses S. Grant met General Lee's forces at the Battle of the Wilderness. In two days of heavy fighting, the Union suffered over 17,000 casualties. At the end of that battle, General Grant faced a choice. Most assumed he would do what previous Union generals had, had done and retreat. On the evening of May 7th, Grant began to move. As the fires of the battle still smoldered, Grant rode to the head of the column He rode to the intersection of Brock Road and Orange Plank Road. And there, as the men of his army watched and waited, instead of turning north back towards Washington and safety, Grant turned his horse south toward Richmond and the heart of Lee's army. That seemed a little bit dramatic. I'm going to be honest with you. It seemed just a little little smidgen dramatic because the whole thing is that, you know, she compared herself, and that was Liz Cheney discussing her, well, it was her concession speech. She lost big oh my God, yeah. in the primary last night. Welcome to the show. Dana Lash here with you. You are a lovable curmudgeon. And I, we're going to go through, I'm going to go through all of this, and we got, we got a whole bunch of other things to hit too, but man, her, her loss against Harriet Hagman yesterday, it was... Six, what, uh, what was it? Sixty-eight to twenty-nine. I think it was. Was the was the result? Sixty-eight to twenty-nine was the end all, and it was a shellacking of epic, epic proportions. This was a primary. This was a state that she had won a primary that she. I mean, previously when she she won by forty the last time she ran. That's, you know, that's hugely significant. And now you have this. That's like, you know, it's pretty unbelievable. So we're going to get into all of this because she compared herself to, bizarrely, she compared herself to Lincoln somehow for whatever reason. Don't know why. I mean, she just decided to bring that up. Like, let's, let's go. Yeah, listen to this. This is crazy. This is so weird. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. 
Lincoln ultimately prevailed, he saved our union, and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. So, but what one thing I think is important to remember is that Lincoln ran as a Republican. <laughs> and she also won. She won a she won her primary. I mean, this was her reelection bid. What is she talking about? She's won already. This is just so weird for her and not at, at she really is lionizing herself. So this victory I mean that I, I well her loss last night that Harriet Hagman's victory Harriet Hagman ran for the voters Liz Cheney ran for herself I have a piece that's coming out about this and just some of the 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 takes that I've seen like she was on is it MSNBC is that who Savannah Guthrie or no NBC she was on NBC she was talking to Savannah Guthrie and she was saying she was asked if she thinks she's going to be running for president and this is audio soundbite which one is this 12, 12. listen to this we have 12,000 please thinking about running for president it, uh, that's a decision that I'm going to make in the in the coming months Savannah I'm not going to make any announcements here this morning but uh, but it is something that I uh, I'm thinking about and I'll make a decision uh, in the coming months I why I, I, I mean Excluding the fact that she, I mean, she didn't even win in her own state. So there's the question of an, a total absence of, of any kind of national appeal. I mean, I think clearly, and not even to be petty, but just to state the obvious, I really do think that she thinks incredibly highly of herself. I mean, she, she says, her spokesman says that she's going to launch a new political organization. Uh, Politico reported it this morning, and it says that they will educate the American people about the ongoing threat to our republic and mobilize a unified effort to oppose any Donald Trump campaign for president. So she thinks that Trump is the biggest threat to the republic, the ongoing threat to the republic. These are the words that she uses, the words she uses over and over again. But the problem is that that's not correct. The biggest threat to the republic right now is inflation, recession. Lack of energy independence, overtaxation, weaponizing government agencies against political opposition, FBI abuses, the breakdown of, of FISA protocol. The biggest threat to the republic right now is not political jockeying and tone-deaf ambition from disgruntled candidates. And that's what this is. It's solely about one lone candidate's political ambition wrapped up as some white knight fever dream. That is exactly what this is. It's her campaign and this idea, and I'm going to get into this because I'm so tired. I, I'm, I'm a little mad because I'm so, I feel like this is in some aspects 2008 all over again. And that's one of the things that a lot of these Cheney surrogates don't realize. I mean, you, this was something that her running again was kind of looked on, looked upon a, 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 with a wary eye by a lot of us who have been grassroots since before being grassroots was cool. Right? We're the people back in 08 
that were fighting with the Republic. We're, I got into a fight, a public fight with Newt Gingrich when he was still establishment before he finally came over to grassroots. I don't know if you all knew that. Oh, we had a big fight. Let me just set the stage. Back in the day, it was one of the first battles between the grassroots and the establishment. And it had to do with uh, a congressional district in New York. It was called, the, it was the New York 23's congressional district. And there was a guy named Doug Hoffman. He was not charismatic at all. He was kind of a nerd, but he was a conservative, right? It was a, it was a seat that, that conservatives needed to get, Republicans needed to get. And some woman named Didi Skozafava, whose husband was a big public union dude. And she was literally a Democrat who turned around and became a Republican. She wanted to run for that seat, and she was backed by Newt Gingrich. And I remember being on the phone, because that was back in the day when, like, all of us tea partiers would get on these giant, you know, conference calls. And, and that's what we did before there was the first tea party rally back. I mean, it's, it, in a sidebar to the sidebar. We were out in the street criticizing before George Bush even left office. So it was always a dodge to say that it was about just Obama. But to my point, the race, he got involved in the race and he backed Didi Skozafava. And the Congressional Campaign Committee was going to get involved. And so all of us grassroots... We're like, no, that's not happening. And I convinced everyone. I'm like, we got to get in. This is our first big test. This is a big battle. I'm like, we can't have, you know, a, another weak need, you know, establishment, whatever. And it was crazy because, you know, people felt like Gingrich wasn't listening to anybody. So we had a big battle. I mean, I was, I, I, I that was like the, our first thing. And then I later I was at CPAC and he was there and we had a nice, fun, interesting exchange about that. But I will say he was very conciliatory. He was like he flew into St. Louis when I was still based there and he met with all of the uh, grassroots people there and said, I want to, I want to, I want to hear. He was very open to understanding that viewpoint. And now if you were to look at him, I don't know how many people now who are now involved in politics would, would peg him as being somebody who's establishment, but that's how he started. And the difference is in how he adapted. And then look at, at Liz Cheney, Cheney, when she was running, I think people, viewed it as if she's staying in Wyoming, that's one thing. But if she's going to try to run nationally again, I mean, I, people are tired of these political dynasties. And so people were already looking at her with kind of a wary eye. She was nice, and I said years ago that she wanted to run for president. Have I not, Kane? I've said that repeatedly. She has grand ambitions. This was just the first stepping stone. She really wanted to try, and I, you guys remember me talking to you about this. She really wanted to go for uh, the speaker. She wanted to be speaker. She was going to challenge Kevin McCarthy for power. But then she decided to allow this whatever Trump thing to, to distract her. Blaming Trump for Cheney's problems ignores the issue with Cheney that predate Trump. I mean, her last name alone, as I said, kind of irked the Tea Party. The grassroots people, without whom you would not have Donald Trump. I'll say that now. You would not have Donald Trump if it were not for all of the groundwork laid by the Tea Party. The end. And the grassroots folks, the Tea Party, they always opposed the idea of family dynasties. So they were always kind of critical, right? It was weird when she was at CPAC, like her and her mom would be backstage at CPAC. I ran into them repeatedly. 
And it was always kind of interesting. They were very nice, but it was, or her mom, I never actually met Liz Cheney. Lynn Cheney was very nice. But it was just kind of weird. And that was at the time when CPAC was kind of shedding the shell, that time stamp of the 90s establishment. Because CPAC used to be super old, super tiny, and super establishment. And it was trying to shed that image. But this idea that I'm hearing from her surrogates and everybody else that her downfall was the result of Trump, her Trump criticism, that totally ignores all of the problems that grassroots had that laid the foundation, not just for Trump, by the way, but for a less interventionist GOP. Candidates who are time-stamped for the late 90s or the early aughts, they are not appealing anymore. And you can't, when you are running a campaign, you don't make the boogeyman the de facto leader of your party. You can, no, if you want to win. This is the thing. People don't understand Sun Tzu. These people have the stupidest strategy. The dumbest strategy I have ever seen in my life. You think that you're going to go in, guns blazing, and you're going you're gonna to go against, not just, because remember, candidates are always avatars for the voters. Voters look at her going after Trump as her going after them. She wasn't talking about lower taxation. She wasn't talking about any of the issues that affect the, what, how much food they can put on the table. She wasn't talking about any of those things. She was talking about her grudge against Trump every damn time. I don't know a single thing this woman's done besides bitch about Trump. And at some point, even if you don't like Trump, you're like, oh my gosh, enough. Enough is enough. If you're trying to change the culture of a party, you don't do it by switching out candidates and you definitely don't do it by lecturing voters. Voters follow optimism. They don't follow nagging. Her campaign did not read the room. You can disagree with with party leadership without burning down the barn. You can disagree with party leadership without making it look as though you're taking on voters. I think her constituency is the media. I don't know. It just makes me aggravated. What The reason I'm mad about this, because I've always been kind of ambivalent about her, and I know I don't like the power jockeying. I'm an ideologue. not a, I, I'm more ideological, not political. And I cannot stand the power jockeying. I'm not going to bore you with the day-to-day machinations of these you know, candidate hopefuls. I just can't stand it. It kills my soul. But it aggravates me because it's like, she, I feel as though she's trying to to shrug off her responsibility for her mistakes onto the electorate. Like there's a problem with the soul of the GOP. I'm battling for the soul of the GOP. Can any of you people define what the hell the battle is? Can she, what is this battle that I keep hearing about? What the hell are you talking about? What battle? But my principles, what principle? Lower taxation, life, strong 2A, those aren't principles. What principle are you talking about? I am so tired of hearing this, and oh my gosh, if I have to hear it all the way till November, I am going to vomit in all your mouths. That's what, you know the whole thing, I vomited in my own mouth? I'll throw up in all your mouths. How about that? I'm done. Done with it. No. Ah! We got more, more of a postmortem on this. But for real, think about this. Can any of these fools define what the battle is? As much as they write about it, do they actually know what it is? We're going to talk about this plus the tax bill. Wait, there's more. Get ready for a big push on meat. Meat tax. Woo! You guys don't sound excited. I got that. I got woke, roll tide, all kinds of stuff.
As ransomware and other cyber attacks continue to sweep the nation, traditional antiviruses continue to fail as they cannot detect new malware and ransomware. And that's because they operate off a blacklist. And many of these antiviruses are made in the same foreign countries that the malware originates from. PCmatic is the only solution that is 100% made in America and uses proprietary whitelist technology to protect against all known and unknown cyber threats, including ransomware, malware, identity theft, and nation-state attacks. PCmatic protects homes and businesses of all sizes. PCmatic also makes your computers run faster by performing automated maintenance and system optimization. Protect your devices with an American-made cyber solution. PCmatic is just $50 for five devices for one entire year with a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Act now and receive $5 off your entire order of PCmatic protection by visiting PCmatic.com Dana. Again, to protect you and your family from ransomware, malware, and other cyber threats, visit PCmatic.com Dana. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. All right, so first up here, this this kind of creeps me out. It's by way mashable. Two galaxies, magnificent galaxies, are about to collide. There is, so the Gemini North Telescope in Hawaii, they are captured a view of galaxies in GC 4568 and in GC 4567. Yeah, you know this, Kate. Mm-hmm. Before they collide. What? What is that? How am I affected? Let's just like bring it down to a very selfish perspective. How are you and I affected? Because I, you know, I am I, I going to be able to still like, you know, make my espresso in the morning? I'm just curious. Uh, also, can we stop with the gators? Another gator death. For real. An alligator killed an, an elderly woman in South Carolina. 88-year-old Nancy Becker. This is horrific. They were, they were It was like 11 a.m. on Monday. They found her. They found the alligator. A 9-foot, 8-inch male. They did euthanize it. She apparently was it was gardening near a pond and she slipped into the water. Uh, the gator was guarding her. Like, it's, you know, when they arrived. Just awful. And a rare blue lobster caught off the coast of Maine. I kind of want to see what its meat looks like. But it is bug meat. Keep that in mind. Stay with us. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing, and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188. Or text DANA to 9 Nine nine eight eight nine nine. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to follow all the way through. I'm going to follow to make sure the IRS doesn't harass anybody. And I would encourage all of my uh, all of my political friends to make sure their staffs are in contact with the IRS. I want to make sure the EPA doesn't overreach. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna how make sure. It. How you gonna make yeah, sure, Joe? Go I can't, Rather dude. I can't. I know you're playing audio. I can't do. I can't. I'm not gonna make it. Oh, 
Oh my gosh, that sounded like Howard Dean. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. Your lovable curmudgeon. I'm about to take my 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 rake and smack everybody off my lawn. I'm in that kind of mood. Because the tax bill. That's good. Listen to Joe here. Joe don't give a rat's backside. Joe got his Joe got his special interest done. He got those he got those needs met. He got that need met. He's set, right? He got his pipeline. He got some vagary about the processing for the permits. Joe, Joe doesn't see your gas bill. Hell, he's not bothered by that. He doesn't see the increase in cost of your grocery bill. Joe doesn't see that. No, he's going to make sure the IRS. How are you going to make sure that, Joe? You're going to be up there in the IRS building yourself. Are you going to make sure that those army of, that army of little lowest learners, that they're not targeting the people that you voted against the Crapo Amendment, your damn self, to ensure that they were legally bound and prevented from targeting people who made $400,000 or less? Are you, Joe, going to personally go to the IRS in Washington, D.C., pray tell, and thyself prevent them from harassing middle-class Americans? Um, I'll take no for 200 Alex. That would be the correct answer. Of course he's not. I love these promises. Oh, I'm going to go and make sure that that does... How are you going to do that? How are you going to make sure? You can't. That's the problem. You can't. No, he got what he needed. His needs were met. He's out, man. He's out. And there it is. I... I, It is... An infuriating thing. Audio soundbite nine. The White House's Cecilia Rouse. She was asked if voters should judge the Inflation Act to get this by the actual impact on inflation. Listen. But if you passed a bill called the Fill Every Pothole Act, I mean, voters should expect you to fill every pothole. I mean, so should voters measure the success of this bill on how much Mm -hmm. you reduce inflation in the next couple of years? So this infl- this bill spins out over several years. And so the tax provisions, for example, some of the tax revenue will happen immediately. Some of the benefits in terms of deficit reduction t- will materialize over time. So again, so no. this is really an, inf- uh, an investment in our economy. It represents the president's economic vision for transitioning. Oh, to an economy so it's not actually about reducing inflation. That's why they keep changing the name. It's the inflation. No, the climate. No, the health. The no. God only knows what's in it, Bill. That's what it is. That's what it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's all these things. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, no wonder. I, I, uh, there's no, there's, there's, I was reading, I was watching this interview that was done with these Texas cattle ranchers who were audited by the IRS. And I, I pretty sure, normally I, I, I don't know, I just don't have the temperament to go back and forth with people on social media anymore. But every now and then somebody needs to get told. So I was a little I was a little active when I was watching the primary stuff come in, right? And I'm pretty sure it was either an IRS stand. You all know what it, everybody knows the stand is, right? The Eminem, Eminem song. It was either an IRS stand or literally like Lois Lerner or someone at the IRS writing from IRS offices. They were defending this whole thing. To this point, we're still in keeping with this tax bill. Thomas Massey tweeted out a, a picture of these cats, these students who were having a training exercise with the IRS, right? It's a very interesting thing. I put it, if you, get, if you sign up to the newsletter, which you should on Substack, you get this. 
And I had it up there. It was a very interesting thing. They weren't, he says, they weren't auditions for the next Police Academy sequel. It's an actual IRS recruiting program, which is true. They were potential recruits. And they were taken over the period of, you know, last couple of years, including during the time everybody was still kind of wearing masks. So recently. And the IRS went to, I think one of them, they were they were at one college. They were and they were look, talking to accounting students and they were having them go through these training exercises. And they that which when you go through a training exercise, that's called training. Some people think because they didn't have actual guns in their hands that it wasn't the same thing. These people are morons. So the collegiate IRS recruiting program, they had it was for their criminal investigation division. The people defending this were like the IRS just went into these colleges and was talking to these accounting students and they were just trying to show them all the fun things they can do, you know, as as part of the IRS. So what are those fun things you might wonder if you're not watching the simulcast of this radio program on the first YouTube or Facebook? Some of those fun things included putting on the IRS CID, which stands for Criminal Investigation Division, vest on and holding a dummy gun, a rubber gun, and pretending to draw down on people to shake them down in the Uncle Sam sanctioned extortion scheme. Guys, look how much fun it is to shoot at people who don't pay you your tribute. Yeah. Where's the lie? And I retweeted one of them, and you'll have to forgive my Portuguese. What in the teacuping hell was one of these? Fo- these people, like this one chick had like like three inch long nails, and she's like trying to hold. I'm oh man, no. But these were that they were like recruiting and running these people through, just showing them some of the things that they could do as members of the criminal investigation division. Now you, audience, will have these naysayers out there. Who will insist, but, 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 not every IRS agent carried a gun. Well, no one said they did, Francis. But there is a criminal investigation division within the IRS that absolutely does carry guns. In fact, they get full auto. In fact, they get military equipment, all paid for by us. My money can buy some unelected bureaucrat who can barely grip a gun, a full auto, But my money, I can't go out and purchase the stuff I'm purchasing for them because the people who want me to purchase this for them won't let me purchase it for myself. Just understand that. (sighs) It it, it was, it looked like a, I mean, it was bad. It doesn't, and someone's like, well, they've been doing this since 2017. Oh, so they've been drawn down on people as a way to show how much fun you can have in the IRS? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that doesn't seem like a smart defense. See, if you join the IRS, you could be part of CID and draw down, albeit horribly, on people who don't pay you tribute. Sound fun? Sign up today. Good grief. That's all part of this. Now others are saying, well, but they're also increasing digital capability. A lot of the money's going towards that. Yeah, you're going to get hit hard the next time you try to sell something on eBay. Yeah, that's part of what that is. A lot of it's the digital sleuthing. They're going to be watching everybody's Venmo. They're going to be watching all your all's Ebays. They're going to be at your Facebook marketplaces. All of this. I have a girlfriend that sells purses, right? She she gets a purse. This is her thing. It's like a dude with cars, right? Dudes, you got to understand. Chicks, broads look at purses the way you dudes look at cars. This is the way it is. Although some of us look at cars like you look at cars. But I have a girlfriend who does this she does and she makes money off of it she holds a piece and she like watches stuff it's like a whole science and she sells it on facebook marketplace she was spitting mad because she's going to be one of those people that gets hit by this stuff think about that 
She's legit a stay-at-home mom. And she just sells, that's what she does. You know, she'll sell stuff online. Her husband's like, I cannot even believe that she makes this much money just reselling stuff. Like, she waits until it appreciates a little bit. Certain brands do that. It's a whole thing. If you can do that, more power to you. She's going to get hit by this. Imagine if you're just selling a lawnmower, selling a piece of equipment, selling a drum set, a guitar that's over $600. Imagine, you're going to get hit. Uncle Sam's going to be wanting a piece of that pie. It's what it's all about. That's, so that's what the digital... Oh, and then if you still resist and you go back and forth long enough, then these Keystone cops, the CID, are going to be coming knocking on your door. That's not a lie. That's reality. That's how that works. You know, you would think... I got to come back to this for a minute. You would think that Liz Cheney would have been focusing on that. That's a big deal, right? Doubling the size of the IRS. People who can literally shoot you, right? Don't tell me they can't. I've read the statute. The CID has that ability. Yes, yes, yes. It's part of a criminal investigation. Yes, yes, yes. Some of it has to do with, you know, uh, international whatever. Doesn't matter. The whole point is that they can. With stuff that you're not allowed to have. That's kind of concerning, right? Isn't it kind of concerning to you that we have no transparency on a former president's home that was raided and everyone said that he lied about his passports being taken until it came out that the DOJ had emailed him and they said, yes, the FBI has these passports and then they got mad at him for making that public? Not, I mean, they were angrier at him because they went afoul of protocol and likely law with him, not... They, they weren't mad over that. They were mad because he pointed it out. Don't you think it's kind of a big issue that the FISA, that we had a FISA court that allowed itself to be weaponized and went after private citizens because of their political beliefs? Don't you think it's kind of weird and unsettling that we had someone who used to be secretary of state and the entire Democrat Party who hired a disgraced spy through a foreign lobbyist, which is a fair violation, Fusion GPS. And then they wrote all these stupid bunk stories and then used those as probable cause to get surveillance warrants on people. That's a little unsettling. You would think that in this era of recession and inflation and weaponized government agencies, that that would be the focus of a Republican candidate, not their own blind ambition. That is why Liz Cheney lost. Liz Cheney didn't lose because of Donald Trump. Liz Cheney didn't lose because of MAGA. Liz Cheney didn't lose for any other reason other than Liz Cheney. That's the only reason that she lost. I told Kane, I feel like I'm relitigating the the 07, 08, 09 political period all over again, where I got in the faces of these establishment, you know, stooges, and we had this same argument. Well, there's the threat to the republic. We're in a battle. What is the battle? You know, I have to point this out too. I'm not done with this and I'm going to be coming back to it all hour because I haven't talked a lot about it. I've been waiting to see how it played out. I trust Wyoming voters. Y'all don't need me up there. We got affiliates. We don't, you don't need me up there telling you how to vote. You guys know this. This whole line that I keep reading over and over again from the left where she lost the fight but could still win the battle. What battle? Mean tweets don't derail a republic, but a weak economy sure as hell does. What battle? What's the battle? 
Nobody who parrots this garbage can define it. Battling for the soul of the GOP by switching out candidates? What a dumb myopic view. You can, that's a lazy way to go about it. You're not going to persuade hearts and minds by lecturing them, I'll tell you that. You know, you need to kind of at least give a... I, I don't like the politicians who go out there and they act like they know better than the average everyday voter. Average everyday voter makes you who you are. I, I know the left wants to give wings to this flightless fantasy that she, like, lost the fight but could still win the battle, but they never define it. All the people who are like, but this is about principles. What principles are you talking about? I mean, my principles are lower taxes, strong economy, life, energy, independence, strong 2A. Are those not principles? Are they not shared? Because hating Trump is not a principle. I, I, I said this on Twitter, and I mean it. And it's true. So much of this discord is from a fraction of the commentariat, high off their own farts, burned by the rejection of their misplaced pride and refusal to admit that they were wrong. It's all about power. The pundits want influence. That's power. The politicians want the power to craft legislation. This is all about power. The other thing, too, is I see some of the commentariat, some of the pundit class out there trying to hedge their bets. I see some of them out there going, well, you know, maybe it's time for this or that. Maybe it's they're trying to shape opinion instead of realizing that they are nothing more than an ongoing like commentary to what the voters want and voters are doing. I've seen it already. And you also and here's another thing that I see shaping up. The, a lot, some of the writers are already taking the bait. They're trying to desperately get you into a Trump versus DeSantis fight. They want to get you into this idea of uh, some some kind of competition or fight where none exists. He's going to be running for governor again. I mean, he's this is we're years off. But they want to do, they're they're hedging their bets now. The left is already setting this up and some stupid people, some of them on TV are taking the bait. You got to watch out for this. That's one thing I will tell you because I see it. And a lot of these people are thinking about their ratings and they're thinking about, oh, do I get to go to these off the record dinners after? Am I still going to be invited on the speaking circuit where the same people speak every year? I'm just wondering. It's the same thing over and over again. This is why I stay the hell in Dallas. Never run out of coffee by joining the club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as members of the military, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your 
your door for free. Not only do you save a trip to the store, but you also receive special discounted pricing. You gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts. Not sure what roast is best for you? Take the Black Rifle Coffee Quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to save 20% off your purchase in your first coffee club order. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. And to Patriot. Red meat, black coffee, truth-telling. The Dana Show. Mm-mm-mm. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter over at Substack, chapter and verse, because I'm going to have a post-mortem about this. It's not even just a post-mortem about... It's, it's not so much about her candidacy and campaign. It's the way that she did it. This idea that the only way that you can disagree with GOP party leadership or voter sentiment is to go scorched earth like she does is such a false choice. It really is. There are so many other ways that she could have done this. But the reason that she did it the way she did was about self-glorification. I mean, I'm open to being persuaded otherwise, but so far I've seen no good arguments. Nor have I seen anyone make a good argument as to what this supposed battle really is. We're going to continue to explore this coming up. I've got wokery for you. Other things that are going to affect you in that tax bill signed yesterday. Stick with us. Second hour on the way. Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Chews. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Chews for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. I am absolutely going to continue this battle. I think it's the most important thing I've ever been involved in, and I think uh, it's it's certainly the most important thing, challenge that our nation has faced in recent history uh, and maybe since the Civil War, uh, and, and it's one that we must win. Well, that was Liz Cheney, <clears throat> excuse me, in her interview this morning with Savannah Guthrie on NBC. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. We got a lot of stuff to hit today because that tax bill was signed yesterday. We're going to get into that. Get ready for a big push on meat tax. I'm going to explain that to you. We're also going to discuss how the Democrat rebound that you've been kind of hearing about is really a mirage. I'll explain. First and foremost, this situation with Liz Cheney. The reason I keep coming back to this is because I feel like this is a problem that the media and some on the right are trying to create for the right as a whole. And I want to nip it in the bud. And I'm really aggravated. I'm aggravated because we already did this. We fought the establishment back in 07 and 08. We went through this. We were called all kinds of names. I mean, I I was given the stink eye in D.C., when, when I first got invited by CPAC, I had people backstage that were kind of establishing uh, that aren't there anymore. They were kind of looking at all the grassroots people like, you unwashed proletariat, you people, you proles. 
I remember very, very well. They thought that we were naive and stupid and we had no idea about politics because we weren't in the establishment. We were outsiders, even though that's the very nature of our political system and how it was designed. Because from the group that it benefits is the group that should run it. From the group that it serves, so should that group run it. Does that make sense? Excuse me. This, the way that this is being characterized, and I've asked people this. I'm going to let you know now, one of the things that I think we're going to do on Fridays, I'm going to open up phone lines. I haven't done that in a while. I'm going to open up phone lines, and I want a very sober, serious discussion about some of this stuff that I see formulating in the media, and I see some of the commentary on the right getting into. For instance, here, our friends at Newsbusters had this New York Times piece. They had the spin ready. Cheney said, quote, if the cost of standing up for the Constitution is losing the House seat, then that's a price I'm willing to pay, end quote. I don't understand what that means. That presupposes that she's, that sounds like a Democrat. What do you mean standing up for the Constitution? In what way was the Constitution violated? Please articulate this clearly. You know, I asked online. I've asked over and over and over again. They, what is, what do you, what is this battle? That, that people talk about and the people who are very much against or dislike Trump, I always hear, oh, this is the battle of all oh, but the principles. What battle? What principles? Lower taxes, life, Second Amendment, energy independence. Are, these are, I thought, were shared principles. But apparently they're not. If they're not shared principles, then I have to question whether or not you're a conservative or a Republican. That's, that doesn't make sense. They keep saying this stuff. And it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense. It's a bunch of vagary. It's a bunch of talking points. It's just politi- it's just polemics. I I'm not I mean tweets as I said don't derail a republic, but a, a weak economy does. The, the problem that I have too with the way that this was done. You can disagree with certain things without burning down the barn. Something that dramatic screams self-glorification, not party purification. And I just, I'm just amazed at this. The media loves Cheney's again. I mean, they just hated them very recently. You see how this... Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and a fawning media is such a temptation. People don't like to be criticized. I don't care how thick skin you got. Nobody likes to be criticized. Everyone loves to be celebrated, and nobody is in need of being compared to Joan of Arc like a candidate who just face-planted in a primary that they won 40 points earlier. That's what New York Times did. That's why I brought up the Newsbusters piece. They, they're acting like she's, they literally said, quote, she has used the August 16th contest as a sort of high profile stage for her martyrdom and a proving ground for her new crusade. What? They said she's the most consequential rank and file member of Congress in modern times. Here's, the, here's where it made a mockery. They, this is all about J6. She was on that January 6th committee. She was the only Republican. 
She got tossed out of House Republican leadership because she decided to make it, she wanted to make it difficult for Republicans to win on the principles that they supposedly share, apparently. She made her whole thing about Trump. Every th- time she talked, it was about Trump. Everything she did on Twitter was about Trump. I don't know a single bill this woman sponsored that benefited her constituency. I don't know a single time this woman stepped in to speak up for the people who are worried about FBI abuses, IRS abuses, which have absolutely happened. They happened back in, oh, 08, 09, and 2010, which is why, according to the IG report from the IG Inspector General of the Treasury, an IG report said that absolutely this was abused. Conservative groups were targeted. Some even were kind of liberal groups that were targeted. And there were a whole bunch of lawsuits that were settled, settled out of court by the DOJ as a result of this. Lois Lerner was fired. She, sh- I, I think what she did was criminal. So, yes, never, never did I. Cheney has never stepped in on any of this. I never saw any kind of intervention on behalf of the voter against these weaponized agencies. And these are very real, regardless of what you think about Trump. If your hatred of Trump is so much that it blinds you to your service to the voter, you shouldn't be in office. This isn't a competition to see how much you hate Trump. It's, about, it's, a, it's a measure of how well you can serve your constituency. And your constituency is not the media. Your constituency is not the establishment. Your constituency is not the family with the same name that went before you and was part of that establishment. We are in too serious of a situation as a country to screw around with someone's ambition wrapped up in this fantasy of white knighting. It's infuriating. I've been so cool and I've not, you know, gone barn burning and all this other stuff because I wanted to see what Wyoming did. I trust voters. Plus, it's not my place to bust up in your state. I've never been to Wyoming. Missouri was my home state. Born and raised. I know, still know everybody in there and who cuts their checks. Texas is where I live now. I never, I've never been to the beautiful state of Wyoming. I'd love to go one day. I'm not going to bust up in there on the airwaves or digitally and tell you all what to do. I trust you. You guys know what you guys know your needs and they took care of it. They handled their business last night. That's what voters do. You can criticize party leadership without burning the barn down. And you can make you can make a distinction of where you stand without making enemies of people within the party. I got two examples. Actually, I have more than that. One of my listeners just reminded me now. A lot of people, and you know, I always, I've always, I've had Ron Paul on the show, I've had Rand Paul on the show. And nobody expects everybody to agree with anybody 100%. Thankfully, that's not a determination of whether or not someone should get support or be running for office. I don't agree with my husband on everything. But one of the things, like for instance, Ron Paul, he, he didn't believe in going outside of the system. He believed in recreating it from the inside. The Mike Lees, the Rand Pauls, they all think the same thing. And they were able to be distinct without making these major enemies within the party because they understood a coalition. They understood what, that's what a big tent is. It's a coalition. They understood what that meant. You look at people like Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is doing his own thing. And I have to tell you, I think he is one of the savviest politicians out there. 
I haven't seen a wrong step. The way that they handle everything, the media, he's got a great team of people. He's got an he's got an attack dog handling his press, which you need because they're they're I mean they're throwing everything at him. He's able to do what he does. He works in conjunction with party leadership, but you know he's a hardcore conservative. You know where he stands on the issues, and he doesn't he he doesn't have to burn anything down in order to make a distinction. Because he understands that he is there to service the voters, not his ego. Ron Paul thought that too. I see some of these candidates and they, they try to justify this vagary on principles as an excuse to service their ego over the voter. And I see it happening with some of these pundit people. They wanted to service their ego over their audience. You're only, like, like this one cat, what's his face, Walsh, whatever, I don't even know, he got kicked off air. He got kicked off air because his ratings sucked. I mean, did he have a 0.1 share? I don't even know. You know, when you, when you get involved in self-gratification every day and you're not providing a running commentary on what voters are doing and the nature of the game, yeah, people are going to reject you. And you are a voter. I don't know why anybody, I don't understand why anyone wouldn't, uh, would, like for instance, let me share this with you. Let me get into this. Because this has made me mad. I saw this first thing and I was like, oh, I need to make my make sure I get I picked out my next stuff and my good ranchers. So we got this, uh, you know, we have the tax bill. Largest, they're calling it AP, I kid you not, largest climate package. I thought it was an inflation bill. Oh, it's climate bill now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Another one, not kidding you. Reuters said health bill. They don't even know what it is. So they have the uh, super high not inflation reduction act. They have, and this is from Vox. I know. 5% of the funds go towards, quote, changing farming practices. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, ah, ah. What is this? The headline of the piece, meat has a big carbon footprint. The Inflation Reduction Act ignores it. Well, they don't ignore it because you just mentioned they got 5% here going towards farming practices. That wasn't enough for people. They say that meat and dairy are the sector's biggest climate culprit. They write that even though the money to cut emissions from agriculture is misplaced, the strategy, hand out money to do the right thing rather than penalize polluters for doing the wrong thing is politically smart, blah, blah, blah. They want to shift the meat-centric food system to something plant-based. That is what they want to do. Hmm. Remember how I was telling you yesterday about the cricket protein? Plants ain't meat. Cricket flour ain't flour. That's nasty. Like I said, I'll eat a bald eagle before that happens. Not even kidding you. But, this is the next thing coming. They are looking, researchers that Vox cites, and this is over, uh, Daily Wire notes this at iflscience.com. They're looking at 
taxes as high as 56% for beef, 25 for poultry, 19% for lamb and pork to reflect the real environmental costs of production. It's like a syntax to change how you eat. Make us all weak and have man boobs like Bill Gates. Oh, except for the women that already have them. Caltech Innovation is back to back. You've heard me talk about Caltech's P50 pistol. Now here comes the new 9mm P15 carry pistol. Quality engineered, the 9mm P15 carry pistol is the lightest, thinnest of its kind and Caltech's first striker fire handgun. And as another first, the P15s feature a totally unique patent pending 15 round extended magazine. Now, other features include ambidextrous grip, safety, reversible mag release, and the hybrid fiber night sights with fully adjustable rear that all comes standard it's from Caltech, inventors of subcompact polymer and now metal handguns the p15's gator grip texture on the polymer version increases stability and makes for easy accurate handling while the all metal version offers comfortable but positive traction and a really beautiful wood grip panel the p15 is the dependable firepower you need to secure your world see the new nine millimeter p15 first up close and personal at keltechweapons.com that's k-e-l-t-e-c Weapons.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So, first up, Puerto Rico's governor on Tuesday announced a public private partnership to overhaul the island's cruise ship docks as part of a 425 million project. 425 $25 million project to boost the U.S. territory's tourism sector. That, because it is expensive. Those huge, the, the ship docks, especially for the, the massive cruise ships that come in. So the governor said that they're looking to transform Puerto Rico into the Caribbean's main cruise ship destination. They are modernizing, repairing, and expanding nine docks in San Juan so that they can get larger vessels and more passengers. It actually makes sense. I mean, you get a lot of tourism that comes in there. It's a lot of revenue coming in. I mean, that actually, that makes some sense to do that. Uh, America records, oh gosh, we're talking about the, I'm going to come back to the monkey boxing. I'm not going to do that one. I do, I'm going to hit this one from Times Union though. So uh, a man got in trouble because of a crudely drawn inspection sticker. And he got charged with felony forgery after state troopers said that they found the fake inspection sticker on a vehicle. So he pretended, I mean, I don't know of anybody that would think that this is real. It's like a post-it note that he legit taped to his car that made it, yeah. And they said, so he's getting charged with forgery on that. I mean, it literally was magic marker on a post-it. You can't even read it. And they said, that's not the first time that it's happened. Are some of these people doing this as like jokes? I mean, you kind of have to wonder. I I wouldn't recommend it because apparently you get charged with forgery. And in Washington State, if you want a license to sell pot, a drug conviction may help you. Apparently, they're getting fast-tracked. Stick with us. we got a lot more in store. With the recent rulings from the Supreme Court, it's worth mentioning that these wins didn't happen on their own. It took the support of companies like Patriot Mobile, who have passionately fought on behalf of the unborn and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they've been on the front lines fighting for your values. This is why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has made it really hard on many Americans, and thankfully, Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget, and they offer the same nationwide coverage as 
as all the major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the knowledge that your money is going to a company fighting for the sanctity of life, religious freedom, and the Second Amendment. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Use offer code Dana to get free activation. If you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they have special discounts just for you. Come join the movement and make the switch. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. But what I've said is that the state of Florida is the state, uh, is the place where woke goes to die. Uh, We are not going to let this state... We're not going to let this state descend into some type of woke dumpster fire. We're going to be following (laughs) common sense. We're going to be following, um, you know, facts. And that's just really, really important. So I like that. That's a that's a slogan. Florida, where woke goes to die. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. It's good to be with you this Wednesday, folks. We're in the middle of our second hour. And of course, we've been doing the. I don't want to call it a post-mortem on Cheney's, Liz Cheney's crazy primary. I mean, there was other stuff that happened <laughs> yesterday, too. I mean, there's a, I just, I get a little, because of all my history in grassroots politics, and not just on air, and not just being a pundit, but like literally working to elect, you know, before all of that, be, canvassing and phone banking and going door to door, which is a little bit harder when you're in politics and you're on the air and TV, it's I, I get angry when I feel like we're fighting the same fights. You know what I mean? It feels a lot like the establishment v. grassroots, as I was talking about. So, you know, but I want to get to some of the, these other things that are happening. I have a piece that's coming out about the Liz Cheney thing. You'll be able to read that. You'll get it in your inbox. That's why you need to subscribe. And where woke goes to die. It's funny. Now. The other aspect, let me pull this up, because everybody's been talking about the raid, right? But don't forget that Manhattan DA case, right? So let me pull this up. My friend Dan McLaughlin had a write-up about this, about Alan Weisselberg. He's the guy, he was the former CFO for, for Trump Organization. And he had... I like how McLaughlin describes it. They were trying to get him, I think, on some J6 stuff. It's same thing. It's similar to what they were trying to do with Manafort. Remember, a really quick 30-second history lesson. With Manafort, they were investigating him for stuff relating to everything, you know, for Trump. And then they ended up finding these, you know, tax fraud, all this stuff. And that's anything else that they find that you do of a criminality, they can they can hit you for. And that's what they did. In fact, at Manafort's trial, you couldn't even bring up Russia collusion or Russia because it had nothing to do with this case. I mean, you can read about that. That was actually prosecution was barred. Now, to on this instance, McLaughlin describes the charges against Weisselberg as fairly piddling tax fraud charges. Now, I... I think tax fraud is impossible because tax taxation is theft. So you're trying to defraud someone who's trying to rob you. I have my own characterization of that. So you guys can, I'm like, so where's the crime? <laughs> That's just how I'm looking at it. Uh, yes, I have a great accounting firm. I have to, because we would totally get bent over a barrel and audited every six ways to Sunday by hateful administrations. So he, you know, he described them and I like this, that fairly piddling tax fraud charges. 
on which he was indicted by the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, right? This was last year. Now, it was never about Alan Weisselberg, and it was never about, you know, his act, what he was accused of. They wanted to show some kind of progress against Trump. That's it. They wanted to show some, like, oh, look, we're working for you. We're working on behalf of this. We're working. Don't forget, here we are. Now, I think under the plea deal, he spends like a couple months in prison and that's it. I don't know. They were trying to get, I think they were also trying to squeeze him like they did Manafort to get his cooperation against Trump. And they squeezed Cohen. Cohen had tax fraud charges, if memory serves as well. And then Cohen tried to act like he knew a bunch of stuff about Trump and apparently didn't. They squeezed him and he, he caved. But he didn't know anything because there was nothing, all the stuff that they were accusing Trump of, there was no evidence. And so this case, because it's just, I mean, it's a little, it, it's pretty much, uh, I mean, the way that McLaughlin describes it, and this is accurate, the Manhattan DA's Trump organization case ends with a whimper. That's it. This was nothing but another witch hunt. And they didn't get anything. At all this time that they were doing this, all they did is get this old dude on a couple of piddly little tax fraud charges. Yeah, again, taxation's theft. How dare you try to defraud the people trying to rob you? And everyone's like, the walls are closing in. It's the same thing as Mueller is coming. Never happened. That's it. He didn't find anything. Never happened. Now, this was interesting because before this, The New York Times had the resignation letter from the assistant DA, Mark Pomerantz. He sent it to Bragg because he wanted, I mean, I guess he wanted him to like come up with some things that weren't there. Pomerantz was like railing. He's guilty of all these things, but he never actually was able to enumerate anything of which he was actually guilty. And the issue here is really who was the victim because Trump was the vi- I mean you're victimizing the guy over and over again it's they give him so much power they don't understand this if you want to destroy somebody you ignore them into irrelevancy you don't feed them and and consistently bolster the it's not an image it's real but you don't bolster your perceived image of David versus Goliath by constantly becoming the Goliath and making him the David over and over again. Yeah, that's, it's just wild how they do this. They, they make their own mess. So yeah, they found nothing in this case either. Just like they found nothing with the Mar-a-Lago thing. They're never going to unseal that affidavit because there's nothing there. This has all ever been a witch hunt. Only. Now, I asked, I said I was going to open up phone lines on Friday. And I am, I think, uh, because I'm just so tired of this characterization. And I've seen some people say this. They're like, oh, the Trump worship or the MAGA stuff. It's a cancer. It's a cancer in the GOP. What what does it even mean? I don't even know what that means. So let's talk. We're going to, what does it mean? Like, I thought, you know, lower taxation. What? I actually like mean tweets. And? But I'm a mean girl, so I like mean tweets. And so does that mean because I like mean tweets, and but I also like life and strong Second Amendment, and uh, I believe in abolishing the IRS, lower taxation, all these other things. Does that mean 
we can't hang i'm for come on i mean it's like what does that even mean okay i want to switch up gears because guys i have i got to talk to you about about something now tim burton oh wait yes oh kane i hate you to death right now i hate you so bad i hate you so bad right now kane just Guys, don't ever look at monkeypox patient nose. Don't ever look at monkeypox nose. I hate you. That's going to be your card for Christmas and what? your birthday. And I'm going to say moist every Let's day see. from now oh, on. See, now moist, 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 moist. He being, sent me a picture of it and it just ought. Just unforgivable. You're too harsh now. Mm. Looks like moldy bread. Oh, God. It does. It's like his nose is moldy bread. How did that happen? I don't know. Juan don't. Not, I can't yeah, deal. Juan oh, gosh. I hate you so bad. Juan won't show that. Oh, no. Don't. Juan, don't. Oh, my gosh. Don't. <sighs> I'm going to throw up. So, all right. All right. <sighs> mental cleanse. Mental cleanse. There's a new Adams Family coming out. I don't actually think. It's not from what I understand. I don't think it's woke or anything like that. I don't, know, I don't actually know. It's Tim Burton. So, it, I'd be kind of surprised. He's just, how goth can I make something? And I don't know what I think of the casting yet. You can't get much better than Angelica Houston and Raul Julia. He, they were so amazing. And they had such great chemistry. So now they have Catherine Zeta-Jones. Okay, I get it. Now here's where it's interesting. Luis Guzman is Gomez. I don't care about the kids. The kids can be almost anything. Now, here's my problem. Because as a, as a retired goth kid, here's my issue. I understand originally that in the comic, which predates the whole thing being on screen, that Gomez Adams was kind of, he wasn't the attractive one. He just kind of had some goofy teeth, right? His hair was weird. He had kind of googly eyes. He wasn't, you know, Morticia's job is to be hot. Be goth hot. That's all you do. That's your job, right? You, I mean, you wear a dress that has tentacles and you can't hardly walk in it because it looks good. Just look cute. That's a, your job. You know, Wednesday Adams, you're, you know, a, you know a, a cranky goth kid. That's it. Pugsley, you're inquisitive and also weird. That's just that everybody's got their role. Gomez is, you know, he's, he's savvy. He is like old money. He's, he kind of makes weird decisions and he's got, you know, his weirdness too. I don't know if I believe Guzman in this role, Kane. And I don't know what's up with the wig that he's in because it's finger curled and it's bothering me. Yeah, it is a little, I mean, for people who are the purists, they're, they're going to be okay with this? Because I don't think so. Not with that wig. Not with that know. wig he's got know. on. If you're watching the okay simulcast, he looks like he's wearing, he, he looks like a flapper. He's got a flapper's hairstyle where it's sleek. It's like stuck to your head at the crown and then yeah. it's finger curled all the way to your ear. That's not yes. how Gomez's hair was in the comic. Makes me laugh still. But um, I mean, the over, just the general relationship between the Angelica Houston character and, and uh, you know, Gomez is that he, you know, he's obviously batting out of his league. Like, she's clearly out of his league. And I think in this instance, you're, it's... But they love each other, and there's consistent. a serious, like, there was a serious... Like, with, 
with Angelica Houston and Rod Julia, there was a, there was good chemistry there. Is that going to be because you have to have that that ki- that's part of I the agree. show. That's the one thing that I I can't see that because I don't think Luis Guz- Guzman is a like a sex symbol or or can be considered in the in a sort of I don't know like a relationship or because Gomez knew how to deal with the with. The ladies, as right. you know, with like Morticia. He was like Pepe Le Pew in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, don't, I can't imagine Luis Guzman's character being that. I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out. I don't know what I think about it. I, if it's, I mean, Angelica Houston was fantastic. You know, Christina Ricci was a great Wednesday Adams. And I just, I just, Rod Julia was one of the best Gomez's I, I, I've ever seen. I mean, I can't see, I don't know. There's a trailer that's out. I'm gonna. I haven't watched it yet, but it's. I mean, it's. It's coming out. I mean, it's going to be a live action coming of age comedy series, and they unveiled the first teaser for it. So I. I don't know. I don't yeah, know what I, just I think. Don't see, I need unquote, an escape, man. I need a goth escape, and it's almost spooky season. <laughs> I don't see quote unquote romance when I see Luis Guzman, in the. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that's what has to happen between those two characters. Uh, he looks like Fester. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. He does. It's like Uncle Fester accidentally got in that role. I'm going to say what no one else will. It's true, though. You know it's true. Oh, my gosh. I'm so interested in what the chat thinks about this. (laughs) This is bothering me so bad. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. The political sphere has a tendency, and I know I'm, I'm guilty of this at times, to talk about this as though it's a game of risk. And it's yeah. pawns on a board, and it's a conversation about the strategic minutia, um, or even the big picture, that what gets lost in it are the human faces. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The Dana Show, sponsored by 30 years of game-changing Caltech innovation, like the P50, a new breed of pistol. Innovation. Performance. Caltech. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. I'm trying to figure out how this works out in my head. So, an armless Florida man is accused of stabbing a tourist. And this is a story from local Channel 12. A homeless Florida man with no arms has been arrested for stabbing a tourist with scissors using his feet, say police. Jonathan Dale Crenshaw, he's a homeless artist from South Beach, Florida. He was arrested yesterday, charged with aggravated battery after he allegedly stabbed Cesar Coronado, a visiting tourist from Chicago, according to NBC6 Miami. Now, Coronado was asking Crenshaw for directions when the man suddenly attacked him, stabbing him in the arm before fleeing on foot. Coronado Coronado told NBC6 that he is not from here. This is not what I came for. I came for for a vacation. He goes, I just said, do you know where this is? And as soon as I talked, the only thing he reacted was, he just cut me. That was the direct quote. Now, after being found near the scene by police, Crenshaw told officers, told officers he was lying down when a man came up to him and punched him in the head. 
Crenshaw said he pulled the, uh, the pair of scissors from his suitcase with his feet and stabbed the man twice to defend himself. Coronado goes, why would I go and attack somebody else? No, no, I wouldn't do that. It's like, how the hell did I get stabbed? Like, is it the right guy at that point? Because I can't believe with his legs someone could do that. That's his direct quote. Crenshaw is being held on $7,500 bond. His mugshot, he's like, yeah, I did it. It's just, I, can I just say, I'm not, don't mistake me. I am not sanctioning crime. But, dude, that's that's impressive. I mean, that means you got to, like, you know, I'm trying to, like, and then run. Being armed without arms is pretty impressive. You stab someone and still flee with your feet. Did he throw the scissors? Like, how does that work? I mean, I'm just interested in the choreography of it all. I know. How does that? I don't even know how that ends. You know. Uh, all right, so um, <laughs> have it your way, but don't get crazy. So a boyfriend was jailed after a felonious cheeseburger battery at Burger King. The smoking gun has the, the criminal complaint. James Hunt, 41 years old, and his girlfriend, girlfriend and cohabitant, they were arguing at a Burger King in Clearwater about, quote, the victim not eating her food. And the dispute turned violent. The 53-year-old woman began to leave the restaurant, and that's when Hunt threw a cheeseburger at her with such force that when the sandwich hit her at the back of the head, the woman fell over a curb onto the ground, police charge. Her chin and lip hit the pavement, resulting in an abrasion and a cut. Upon arriving at the Burger King, cops observed blood on her shirts and short and cheese on her shirt and in her hair. A Burger King worker told cops that before Hunt walked away from the restaurant, he struck the victim in the head while she was on the ground. He admitted to throwing the burger at her, but he denied hitting her when she was down. Police, Hunt also told police that he did not think the cheeseburger strike caused her to slip onto the curb and fall to the ground. So he's been charged with felony domestic batteries on jail, $15,000 bond. And uh, he's got a PO against him now. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I believe him when he says he didn't hit her. Third hour on the waist. $369 billion to take the most aggressive action ever, 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 ever in confronting the climate crisis and strengthening our, our economic, our energy security. It's going to offer working families thousands of dollars in savings by providing them rebates to buy new and efficient appliances, weatherize their homes, get tax credit for purchasing heat pumps and rooftop solar, electric stoves, ovens, dryers. Uh huh. That's Biden yesterday before he went on vacation again, and he's talking about the Inflation Increasement Act. Yeah, we already have it. It just creates more of it. Welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here with you. Third hour of our show this Wednesday. I what is it? Invest three hundred sixty-nine billion and take that and confronting the climate crisis. I thought it was about you were supposed to make it about reducing inflation, though. So that doesn't do it, does it? Doesn't at all. It is a horrible, horrible, horrible tax increasing bill, and we talked about it frequently on this program quite frequently in fact now the t- 
tax bill, there was a good piece of some good analysis about the impact on your health care. Because it's happening, going to happen. I mean, we know what the CBO projected. $20 billion in new tax revenue from the middle class that you weren't supposed to have tax revenue coming from the middle class. But remember, the bill doesn't prevent that. In fact, it doesn't say, it just says it's not intended to mean. It doesn't say it's not going to do it. And when Senator Crapo proposed an amendment to put it in stone, in writing at least for this bill, that there will be no taxation. It's not going to be coming from $400,000 or less in salary. It was rejected by Democrats. So there you have it. Now, there was a uh, Dylan Hausman focused on the Medicare provision of this, the health or the health care provision that actually affects Medicare, because there are it's I, I don't see how this is going to help achieve its goals The the within the bill, it allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices. So starting in 2026, the secretary of HHS, which is a guy who knows nothing about health and human services, Xavier Becerra. Well, if he's still there, he won't be there. But by 2026, they'll be able to select from a list of the 100 most expensive drugs for Medicare, Hausman notes, and negotiate prices directly with manufacturers. The drug manufacturers will essentially face a government price setting scheme or be taxed out of business. If they walk away from negotiations, sales of that drug will be taxed at a rate of 65% of the previous year's sales. And the rates will escalate 10% every quarter up to a maximum of 95%. So their choices are to either pay that tax and agree to the secretary's negotiation or remove their drug from Medicare entirely. Now, the negotiated prices are negotiated as such, as discounts they say to the existing, but the CBO says that it's actually going to lead to higher drug prices. That's what they projected in their analysis. Big Pharma can circumvent negotiated discounts, Hausman notes, by setting a higher launch price for the drug, meaning the eventual negotiated discount will take place from a higher baseline. They're going to penalize companies for increasing drug prices at a rate faster than inflation. Well, companies will be penalized. So if they violate the rule, they get penalized an amount to be paid back into Medicare. And a lot of a lot of analysts are saying that limiting price controls in this to Medicare is going to pass costs on to private insurers because, of course, it will. Pharmaceutical companies have to make up the profit somewhere. Where are they going to go? I mean, that's the these it's it's fixing drug prices and it's and it's billions more in subsidies for health insurance. That's not that's only going to incentivize all of these insurance companies to raise their rates. So that's a huge problem. And in fact, some of the analysts are saying that these overall provisions are going to grow. I mean, you wear, the government should not have this much control over health. This is just, it's asinine. It's just making the whole Obamacare thing even worse. The total health care spending 
Thomas Phillipson had written uh, had looked at the looked at the proposals in the bill. He's at the University of Chicago, and he found that the healthcare spending in total is going to increase by fifty billion dollars over the next twenty years because of these particular drug pricing policies. He writes, "Quote." The act will cut American lifespans. Over the next 17 years, the bill will reduce drug industry research and development by $663 billion, resulting in 135 fewer new medicines. This will amount to a loss of 330 million life years, about 30 times the loss from COVID-19 so far, end quote. Remember what I told you yesterday? R&D is going to get cut. That's exactly what's going to happen. When things get tight, marketing and R&D are cut every time. This is a big issue. And so this, because Medicare and Hausman notes this, this is a great point. Medicare and Medicaid, they negotiate everything months in advance. Healthcare costs aren't keeping up with the rates of inflation. That's going to change. This is going to be just, it's just a bad all around. It's a nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare. And then as we were talking about a little earlier, you have the big meat tax that they want to they want to tax how we eat in order to reduce meat. You need proteins building block of life. You need protein. Got to have it. Some people don't think it went far enough in the Inflation Act, which is not about inflation in the tax bill. Has nothing to do at all whatsoever with taxes. Or I mean with in reducing inflation, it's taxes and it's and it's bailouts for the green garbage that's all it is now i have a couple of other things for you to hit i got wokery and we have some other things coming up i wanted this is a good this is a good news this is some good news i was really happy to see this roll tide so you a university of alabama they had their rush week right and that's when you had all these girls that were looking at all the sorority chapters at University of Alabama. They were all doing Rush Week. And of all of the girls who were doing Rush Week, there was one biological man who identifies as a woman. And he was trying to, apparently there were like 20, he said all of the 20, or almost all of the 20 sorority chapters of the University of Alabama unanimously cut him. And he has like, I can't believe, he has like a million followers on TikTok, the, the uh, Beijing controlled app. He said, it's sad how the process ended. He said, I wanted to be a part of the sisterhood and more than that, a community. But you're, you're a biological man. Don't force the sisterhood to accept you. I'm glad that, and I, I mean, I don't think that they're going to, I don't think that anybody's forcing them to do that. You can't force people to associate. And they have their recruitment videos. They, they go viral. The whole Bama Rush stuff, it all goes viral. But... This idea that you can force yourself into the sisterhood and understand what women actually go through is is it's it's pretty it's offensive. It really is. But all of them, I'm so glad that these sororities stood up. They stood up and they said no. They it was a unanimous rejection. And I'm I mean I'm happy that that they did you should not be because remember you can be a straight male who wants to identify as a woman and live in a and li- live with women you're still sexually attracted to them and 
they women have a right to be able to associate with whom we want to associate with and in what manner we want to associate. So this it, it, so far, I don't think there's been anybody condemning the sororities. Now, back in 2016 at Tufts University, Alpha Omicron Phi, Alpha Omicron Pi had offered a membership to a 19-year-old, a biological male, and the sorority's national office did not want to offer membership. Now, Cosmo Magazine ran this story, and they smeared the sorority as being transphobic. They went after them. So a magazine of grown-ass women went after younger women, bullying them for not feeling comfortable and accepting a biological male into their house. Which I find, you want to talk about what is a sellout to feminism? It's that. It's a sellout to feminism. You become a bot for the patriarchy, the progressive patriarchy. No, there's no sadder female than the self-proclaimed feminist that tries to compromise women by allowing biological men to appropriate everything about them. And so, in some ways, yes, feminism is responsible for that. It really is. But I'm glad that these sororities at University of Alabama stood against this. I mean, it's, you know, I and they... I, there better not be no, no pieces from Cosmo. Women have the freedom. of they, We have the right of free association. You can't force this on people. We have a... Uh... And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So, first up, this it seems... I'm going to pull this up. This is August 27th. 7-Eleven is relaunching the Bring Your Own Cup Day after a successful May launch in Canada. It's for Slurpee fans. They're reviving it. It's the second time that they've done it this year. Like I said, first time was in Canada. It's set currently for Saturday, August 27th. And it comes three months after the successful thing in Canada, which they apparently went on like a two-year hiatus because of the, the lockdown and all that. So you bring your own cup, which also sounds like how you get the flu. Like you can bring a wine glass. You can, you know, does everybody bring in their own cup? You know, I don't know. Yeah. All that matters, they, they say, though, is a customer's chosen cup is clean leak proof fits under the dispenser. I don't know. I just feel like their original cup is the way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like you got the, the top where you can put more in. So ooh, Capri Sun thousands craft Heinz has recalled thousands of wild cherry-flavored Capri Sun drinks amid fears of cleaning solution contamination. They said that it's it's about 5,760 cases of it. They said that they think the stuff that they use to clean their food processing equipment kind of may have gotten in there. They said best when used by date to look for on the packages is June 25th, 2023. Only those packages in the U.S. have been affected. So if you got a best when used by date of June 25th, 2023, apparently that's one of the ones that's affected. So I don't like that either. Cows apparently are invading a beach and taking over sunbathing hotspots. This is 
in West Yorkshire, in England. 24 cows sprawled across the Gaddings Dam beach. And they do. They lay there on the beach and they get their sun. This is kind of like Pig Beach, sort of in the Bahamas, but this is Cow Beach in Yorkshire. You know there's a lot of patties up there, right? So don't be thinking that you're going up there and you're going to have like this idyllic time, like with the pigs. You got pig patties, not necessarily patties, and you got the cow patties. I'm just saying, you know. The world's fastest airliner, Overture, is going to usher in a new era of supersonic travel. So we haven't seen commercial supersonic travel in like 20 years after they retired the Concorde in 2003. Apparently that's all going to change with the development of a new environmentally friendly airliner. It's called Overture. It was developed by Denver-based Boom Supersonic. They said 26 million hours of designing and testing. It's going to run on 100% sustainable aviation fuel. And it flies at a Mach 1.7 over the ocean, shuttling between 68 to 80 passengers up to nearly 5,000 miles. They said that they feature four engines to keep weight and temperature balanced and lower the size requirements of the wing-mounted engines. They say the smaller engines will lower the thrust requirements for each one. And the lower the, cor- the thrust, the quieter it runs. No afterburners and buzz-free engines. They said it will blend in with existing long-haul fleets. And uh, when is it going to... They said it's going to be 100%... Uh, they said that they... I don't know. I don't care about how environmentally friendly it is. How fast is it? The craziest thing. New York to London. Current travel time, 7 hours. Overture time, 3 hours and 30 minutes. Yeah. For Los Angeles to Sydney, 15 hours, 8 hours. Tokyo to Seattle, current, 9 hours. Overture, 4 hours and 30 minutes. So I don't care if it runs on Eagle Dreams... I mean, I like that reducing of the travel time. I can't stand sitting on a plane for more than three hours. Stick with us. More of the show coming up. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. And we're going to invest, make a historic investment in the IRS to make sure that the wealthiest Americans that use complicated accounting and law, uh, lawyering techniques to avoid paying taxes, that we're going to crack down that, on that as well. And I want to add, we're doing all of that, notwithstanding some of the misinformation that's out there, we're doing all of that without raising taxes at all on anybody making less than $400,000 a year. As you know, that was a commitment that the president made. Didn't and he's make. uh, making good on that commitment. Because the, the bill doesn't actually prevent it. And they, they, they absolutely, Senate Democrats killed the Crapo Amendment, which was proposed and the, le- the legislative text specifically stated to prevent the IRS from auditing, targeting, collecting more from 400,000 or less salary. They and they they said no, they killed it. And it's the only thing in the legislative text of the bill or well now the act, the tax bill is that it's not intended to. That's the exact verbatim language that's used. Not intended to tax $400,000 or under. Welcome back to the program Dana Lash here third hour on this this Wednesday so I a couple things we've been going over the worst parts of the the tax bill still because there's so much in it and discussing some of the the greenery the green energy so Bureau of Land Management the original BLM they're pausing more oil and gas leasing. So so much for that that uh, deal that they made with Joe Manchin, right? 
so much for that because remember one of the things that he claimed that he got in this negotiation for him to support which is basically build back better was that they had a quicker permitting system for this hmm so much for that the Bureau of Land Management is pausing oil and gas leasing on 2.2 million acres of Colorado land after environmental groups say that the current management plan failed to consider climate impacts. They said that they are very concerned about this and it's going to endanger one small plump little bird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn you to hell with your energy. We got to save this fat little bird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's the leases, the, cons- the impact to the Gunnison sage grouse. This sounds like rich people problems. I'm sorry. I know that you have high gas prices, but we can't do anything to alleviate that here in Colorado. We are concerned about the endangered little plump bird, the Gunnison sage grouse. You want to know a great way to save an endangered animal? Put it on the menu. Yeah. People, you'll have more of them, especially if they're tasty. This bird looks like it's got some meat on it. I'm just saying. I wouldn't turn down a drumstick. I'm going to lie. Come on, look at it. Look, is this, does this go with your diet? Kane's on a new diet. You're on a new diet, sir. Could this? Could you yeah, eat this, this little bird? Yeah, this would be bird? considered yeah something I could have. It's yeah. Nice, What's your diet again? Protein. What are you doing? I'm just doing something through soda through PhD uh, weight loss. Oh, okay. It's just essentially it's cutting out sugars and carbs, and just eating more vegetables. It's kind of like a common sense thing. Would the soda PhD weight loss allow for you to eat this little plump bird? I think so. It looks tasty, don't it? Yep. I don't uh, know how much meat you get on it, but I'm looking at it right now. Looks like it's protein ridden. Mm. I mean, I should be talking about the bigger story here, but I love how they I love how it's described. The Gunnison sage grouse is a large bird with a chubby body, small head, and long tail. <laughs> chubby body, you got me a chubby body. You had me, yeah. <laughs> you had me there. I don't know how big it is. Now I'm like interested in this size of the size of the Gunnison sage grouse. How much meat is on it? It doesn't like that when I ask it that. <laughs> the range of length is 32 to 51 centimeters. So it's a sage grass. You know, it's about 4.2 pounds, right? That's decent. Hmm. They're m- mostly in southwestern Colorado and southeastern Utah. And they, oh, oh, oh. I was looking at this recipe, Kane. I would imagine now a Gunnison sage grouse, I guess, is a specific type of sage grouse. It, and they can, I don't know, they have little short legs, so they can't run fast. So, perfect. yeah, perfect. I mean, they can fly, even though they're fat. They, they're fat little things. They can fly, but. So it's like quail hunting or like pheasant hunting? Hell, I'd run this damn thing down. I wouldn't they even look, need to they look a little take plumper. a shot. They look more plump than a, than a quail or a I mean, I'm just imagining it with. I'm imagining this thing without feathers on a plate. You know, it looks delicious. Now, I, I immediately was started to do recipes in my head, so I looked this up. <laughs> you can cook sage grouse breast like a steak, or like the breast meat of a duck, goose, sharpie dove, or pigeon, which is to say, rare to medium. Do this, and they're like a seasoned steak. Mmm. 
I'm sold. I uh, I don't. I mean, I'm just saying. I think that's that's honestly. So it's federally listed as being threatened, and they're like, "Oh, it's the loss of habitat." An oil or gas lease. I, I mean, for the love, they don't worry about this stuff when they're putting up windmills. They don't worry about this, which, by the way, you have to use so much fossil fuels just to make a windmill and keep it running because you have to have a backup thing. Uh, but yes, they can fly, but they can't run fast. So you can just totally run him. You could run him down, Kane. That'd be good. They're actually really those. The ones that we're showing on the simulcast are actually kind of cute. But when they stand up, they're ugly as hell. They're ugly. I only like them when they're sitting down They're Look at how ugly that thing is. I sent a picture in slide. It's ugly. Anyway. They live for about one to nine years and they got because their little legs are real chubby, like real short and they got their little chubby bodies. They can't run fast, but they can fly. So and they have really interesting little little feathers, little like a turkey sort of. But they they're rare birds. Their scientific name is the Centropetaceus beyond my platicus is what their is what their scientific name is. Tastius Perticus get on my platicus is the name. Of the bird. It's a very interesting name. They are of the Animalia Kingdom, the Aves class, and the Fascinate Delicioso family. Just, I don't know. It's just what the science says. You know, we're scientists. We love science. So that's, I really don't even care. It's a fat little bird that looks delicious. If you want to save it, make it a menu item. Guaranteed, people will be like, dude, I'm telling you, if they're, if, if, red meat was endangered i would be out there save the co- i would have cattle i would have my own cattle and i would raise it up to even eat even more i mean do people not realize this that you can juan says the bird identifies as chewable <laughs> <laughs> that would be kane that would be a great diet kane just share this with everybody yeah please. i think a, a really good idea for mm. a new diet would be just chasing after your food mm. to get it because then you work yourself up. Once you get it, then you feed yourself that sustenance that you worked so hard for. I think that would be good for health. Yeah. I, 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 I think it would be. It'd be very healthy. Be I think that's why we eat so much healthy. beef, because cows are so slow. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to catch them. Right. Yeah, you could run after it, get some cardio in. Woo! Chase after your meal. It's like a... I mean, they have all kind of co- weird concepts with restaurants and all that now. I'm just saying. Anyway, what's the point of me telling you about this? Well, we've got to pause the leasing because of this bird. Um, excuse me? Yes, it's incredibly important that these little birds control your life and mean that we have to get more oil from Russia and OPEC. It's very important. I really, I don't think the planet's going to spin off its axis if this bird goes away. I mean, I like being good steward of the blah, blah, shut up. I don't but care. you said it before. The science is they fly, right? Mm-hmm. These birds fly. So if you're having, if they're having problems, they'll just fly to another place. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's really ruins the bird's future. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. But, you know, there it is. I, uh, I, it, it is, but we should not be running energy policy like this i we really shouldn't but this is what they're doing this is the original blm ladies and gentlemen we were asked by a listener what kind of uh what would be the best sauce for this i know i think that's a good 
Larry asks what would be a good sauce for it. I don't even know. Now I'm like all I'm like I'm only can think about that now. I can't think about anything well, if else. It's like duck. I don't know, maybe some sort of mm. like a red wine type sauce, maybe a red red wine reduction. Cherry too. Yeah. Mm, be good. Anyway, so they said that uh Bureau of Land Management, the settlement that they have, they they they're pausing leasing in the area, particularly North Fork Valley. And the plan puts they said that all of this they they've been fighting with people trying to that, that you know that have these leases on this land and they've been fighting over this for such a long time this isn't the first time that bureau of land management has done this kind of craziness i mean they i mean it it's i mean really uh, people who don't understand energy dictating this stuff have helped put us in this position of weakness then you had jp morgan ceo who said, we should focus on climate. The problem with that is because of high oil and gas prices, the world's turning back on their coal plants. It's dirtier. You know, if you want to solve the climate, he goes, he goes it's, it, it, it is not against climate change for America to boost more oil and gas. It's, he said, U.S. natural gas production doesn't conflict with the reduction of greenhouse gases. It actually doesn't because of our clean extraction methods. He's actually not wrong on that. Because we have very clean extraction methods. In fact, we've pioneered that in the world. The United States was first without, without government regulating it. And then the government comes in and act like they've been regulating it this whole time. Stop. But Kane is still like, they live from one to five years. We should farm them. He's still back with the bird. Yeah, I, d- yeah, I mean, really, though. I'm telling you, I, if you, I, I, some of these people, it's like I, I'm all about good animal stewardship. This is a little bird. We can move them somewhere. I'll take some. Oh, I'll take real good care of them. Bring bring some of them birds over here. Bring them to Dallas. At some point, mm. chickens were wild, and we just decided to farm them. Yeah. I think at this point, we should probably Hogs. do that with these the sage grouse. Yeah, just farm it like pheasants and stuff, right? Like pheasants. I'm just saying. Oh, we, um, I mean, I have a couple of other energy headlines here on this. I also have a piece I'm going to be coming out with on... Uh, uh, Substack too that gets into some of it's not so much again it's not so much about Liz Cheney with but with everything else that's going on around it uh, this idea that you have to cleanse the party of something these people can't actually articulate what it is that they want to cleanse what are they what are they targeting it doesn't make sense and um, it, it really doesn't and I think a lot of this too is that what is it the uh, it's like a Lincoln project thing right I mean that's how they make money they they make they make money like that it just you know doesn't it's grifting listen to the dana show live on the odyssey app weekdays noon to 3 p.m eastern time make sure you sign up for chapter and verse over at substack all kinds of stuff that we have that goes out for you daily as well and i'm looking over this uh interesting Note about Target here. It's described as a retail bloodbath. Their profits have fallen a staggering 90% in a year. They were the most popular department store in America. And they've slashed prices on a backlog of unwanted clothes and home goods. Retailers, it's reported, are cutting profit forecasts as inflation is cutting into discretionary spending, clearly. So the... Report for retail, Target reported a sharp decline in profits for its last quarter. 
and they're having to slash prices to clear out inventory of discretionary items. Higher food and gas prices obviously are cutting into spending on clothes and home goods. TJ Maxx, which also owns Marshalls and Home Goods, slashed its profit forecast. Walmart did better because it sells more groceries and other essential items. Now, the new data released today showed retail sales in the United States were flat from July in July from to June. June to July. That's so everybody's they're canceling orders from suppliers. That's what Target had warned. They're cutting prices. Their retailers are also are cutting back their profit forecasts because everybody's being squeezed. Nobody's dollar goes as far and they're spending all their money on gas and food. And the lower income consumers are getting hit especially hard. Discount clothing retailers, Burlington stores and Ross stores, they said that they have seen some of the biggest pullbacks in spending. But because Walmart, as I said, relies more on the sale of groceries and other essential items, they actually saw an influx of higher income shoppers seeking bargains on those items. So they, while they did slash their yearly profit projection, they noted that they're also starting to see more of a demo that doesn't usually shop with them now starting to shop with them. Morning Consult's retail and e-commerce analyst said that Americans have had to trade down or delay purchases because inflation is squeezing household budgets. It was the new data from the Commerce Department released today. And so Target shares dropped 3%. Uh, so this is, they got some, you know, they got a lot of slash prices on stuff, that's for sure. But what is this going to mean, especially as we roll into fall, roll into the holidays? I mean, everybody always banks on, you know, a, a, a super, you know, all these sales, super healthy retail for Christmas holiday spending. So what is that? Ooh, man, what's that going to look like? Not good at all. So I'll have all of this. I'll put all of this in your email newsletter when I send that out. Make sure you go sign up for it and see our videos guest interviews all that on facebook youtube like and subscribe today in in stupidity king all right it is loser liz cheney she's out there after the loss of course comparing herself to all these historical figures and then maybe she's thinking about running for president are you thinking about running for president it uh that's a decision that i'm going to make in the in the coming months of it i'm not going to make any announcements here this morning but uh but it is something that i uh, i'm thinking about and i'll make a decision uh, in the coming months. yeah you gotta look at that bank account yeah well she's i mean be. she's apparently has got a good de- she didn't do a lot of ad buys in wyoming so she's got a, a decent amount of money she actually doesn't need to fundraise to pay off any campaign debt it's just weird all weird folks i will be back with you behind the mic tomorrow Have a great evening and make sure you sign up for that newsletter. God bless.